0: Hello and welcome to the Wild Wonder podcast, where we seek to democratize and demystify holistic practices by speaking to leading practitioners, artists, and innovators. I'm Kristen Yorka, and I'll be your guide. In this episode of the Wild Wonder podcast, we welcome Philadelphia artist, writer, filmmaker, and art educator, Joy Eliza Wall. Together, we'll explore the power of storytelling and creative expression as a way to heal from your past and allow for a new chapter to unfold. So let's get into it. Hi Joy, and welcome to the Wild Wonder podcast. Hello, thank you for having me here. It's so great that you're here. Um, I come from a long line of teachers myself, so I'm always in awe when I get to have a teacher on the podcast. You teach art education in Philadelphia schools. Am I right? Correct. Yes. I would love to know what led you there.
1: Yeah. So I think I was really inspired by my high school art teachers when I was going through high school Mm -hmm. Um, really inspired by just a lot of the creative freedom I was able to have um, a lot of like the creative risk taking and just like how accepting that community was. And I think, um as a you know, being a very developmental age, like becoming me as a person, as a individual with my identity, I just felt really um kind of cocooned and really like welcomed. Uh and I wanted to provide that for my own students. And I, I definitely found high school was like the spot I found mm-hmm. the most inspiration for myself as a creative, in addition to being able to be that like nurturing space. Um, for young creatives as well. I really enjoyed that experience. And then, you know, my journey through um, art education, I'm currently an adaptive art teacher. So I teach okay. um, life skills support and autistic support and um, 14 to 21. So kind of the high school setting. Um, I My second year in that position and it, the kids have just taught me so much, um, always creatively inspired by them and, you know, this is my eighth year teaching overall in Philadelphia, and it's just kind of what I'll probably be doing for a while. (laughs) It's a good fit. Um, I think it pairs really well with kind of just some general interests. So I've just really enjoyed the journey so far.
0: I'd love to highlight the importance of art education in schools. We so often, it's the first thing on the chopping block when, you know, school systems lose funding. I would love it if you could highlight a story of how you know, learning about art and teaching children art, how it helps them kind of learn about themselves more and move through some of these more challenging situations?
1: Absolutely. I think, like,
0: one of my
1: kind of favorite things as an art teacher um, in the high school setting has been connecting my students with um, different, like, community projects. So I'll try to engage... Um, a class or two, or sometimes a couple classes um, in the Philadelphia Flower Show every year. I think there's a lot of um, just kind of deep symbolism with flowers and growth and change um, and transformation. And uh, this past year, we had the Flower Show at the um, FDR Park and it was outside for the second year, which was really exciting. Um, it really brought in a lot more people uh, to this experience. Uh, my students were in the Garden Gate class and we were able to kind of create a piece inspired by, you know, an artist I was teaching, Isaiah Zagar, who's just an amazing um, mosaic artist in Philly. And he works a lot with identity and, um, you know, creation. And I think the students responded really well um, and being able to do something that was very collaborative, very hands on, um, you know, and families and kids came out to the flower show it was a really awesome way to share a spotlight on our community on our school um and just some of the the great work we can do together in a community setting and i think that was like um you know meeting up with students for that you know just seeing the looks on their faces and just kind of the like extra validation of like wow this is like a really big event Um, To kind of have that pride, I think, Mm -hmm. is something, um, you know, I've seen from my students that is just, you know, keeps me going, you know, year after year. That's just one of the examples.
0: Yeah, you mentioned creating an identity. And I I remember from my own high school years, like those are the ages where you're trying to experiment with different personalities or interests. And art can be one of them. For me, it was dance. What are some of the other challenges that you feel happen during that age where art kind of helps them out? I think specifically, you know, with students
1: as they develop and try new things, I think it's really important that they give things like a first try, a second try, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to to not kind of box themselves in. Like I've heard Mm -hmm. from my students before, like, oh, I'm not good at art, like I can't do that. Um, So it's like a way for them to be open to try
0: again and mm-hmm. again.
1: Um, I think creative risk-taking, creative problem-solving as well. Um, you know, we need a lot of creative solutions for some of our big issues. Um, you know, I think of climate change and and those type of things, like being able to have them think outside of the box um, and not kind of box themselves in from like an earlier, experience that maybe didn't go so well creatively yeah. or you know what i mean so i think that's been mm-hmm. um kind okay. of a a thing that i've i've really been focused on trying to help my students with
0: yeah i've found i mean i teach here in florida and i don't know if you experience the same thing um in philadelphia but i get a lot of students that just want to know the final answer right like just tell me what to do and I think what you're speaking to, which is really great, is getting them to understand that there there is no place to get to, especially with something like art. Like you can really go anywhere with it and create your own solution and create your own, you know, solution to the problem that you've been struggling with. Absolutely. it's and
1: then, it's a very open ended um, mm-hmm. question. And I think that can be very unsettling when we want concrete mm-hmm. answers and ambiguity mm-hmm. can be scary. It can be. Mm -hmm. um challenging it can make you feel vulnerable um i think something with my creative work um you know i I try to be or i try to help um young adults or children like um you know become that kind of magician in their lives right Mm -hmm. being able to transform whatever kind of situation they're dealt and kind of how can you rewrite your story so that like you can kind of get empowered
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um from it instead of right. having it you down. And I think like the narratives we tell ourselves are just so important. And I think um, I mean, specifically with high school identity um, and, you know, becoming who them, they are, like their kind of mm-hmm. essence is really kind of in full bloom at that that time. Right. Um, and I think I really just want to encourage folks to just like be able to take what they have to kind of, you know, level up as, as you know, as best.
0: Right. I'd love to touch on that, the power of being able to tell yourself a story or the power of storytelling. How do you, can you speak to that? Like, what is that power that storytelling holds for all of us? Absolutely. I think specifically um, some of that insight
1: for myself has come from um, narrative therapy and working with a therapist and kind of working specifically um, in that area of um fiction or creativity where Mm -hmm. you're able to you know build yourself a new story or or kind of transform um i think those are definitely um things that have just helped me grow that Mm -hmm. i can notice a change in myself um from that experience
0: is it creating a fictional story or is it just a form of reframing what happened to you
1: I mean, it could be both. I mean, the reframing that specific language, too, I think is really, key. Um, you know, and you can think of it in regards to like text or written word, but also like you know, it's reframing. So it, it could even be visual, too, with that mm-hmm. concept in um, kind of how you put something in perspective um, or the space that you kind of uh, orient it.
0: And it, does it have to do with where you put yourself in that situation, too? I guess, like, an easy example for me would be, like, am I the victim in this or am I, like, the hero mm-hmm. of the story? Absolutely.
1: Um, so with my my novel in particular, I really focused on um, the arc of, like, a, the heroine's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically how uh, the main character kind of goes from a more passive to an active role in their life mm-hmm. and kind of getting a sense of agency back. Um, mm-hmm. I think also that character's arc is, you know, also loosely inspired by um, tarot card reading and mm-hmm. how she at first starts as the fool reversed and then as she goes okay. through um, becomes the magician upright. So, kind of like that arc of mirroring mm-hmm. as well um, the heroine's journey. I think Those, that kind of synergy there um, in having it. Having that novel percolate for about ten okay. years, <laughs> I yeah. think like you know having it also conceived when I was much younger, you know, early college. Um, I think that like that
0: piece was just like a really kind of catharsis for me as well. Mm-hmm. But I love I love that it led right into your book because I really want to learn and for our audience to hear more about like the Sun Holds the Moon, which is now not only a children's book but a young adult novel. Could you give us like a brief, brief synopsis of what it's about? Absolutely. So the kids book came out first. Um, That
1: Mm -hmm. came out during the pandemic. Um, And I collaborated with another creative on that piece, um, Christopher Eads. And it's essentially a a story of a little girl comforting her younger brother um, with a story of how and why their parents met um, and why they can't stay together. And it's meant to kind of broach this topic of separation, whether it be divorce or adoption um, with young kids in like a magical way and putting like, you know, a reframe or a magical twist on it. Um, And I think it kind of from my experience with the book kind of being out there and um, doing different sales or different events, um, Mm -hmm. I think it's really connected with an audience that I feel like doesn't have much literature out Mm -hmm. there for them right? At least in a specific um, angle. So I think it, it's it been great because those that connect with it, like really connect with it. Mm-hmm. Like I had someone reach out and send me a picture of her and her kids reading the book together. They'd just gone through divorce. Like it was something that she was able to share um, with them that kind of like brightened and sparked things up. Um, so I think that was something that really just touched me. Um, as, like, feedback Mm -hmm. from the kid's book. And then Mm -hmm. the novel, um, that came out during the lunar eclipse in May, um, which was exciting. I published with Little Creek Press. Um, And for that story, so the main character, 18-year-old Ava Luna, she puts her future on hold to care for her mother in the days leading up to a risky surgery. Um, And the whole piece kind of coincides with the seasons and cycles of the moon Um, And the four parts of the novel tackle family dynamics, you know, unique family structures, uh, mental and physical health, as well as it follows Ava Luna's quest for independence, assertive and wholeness. Um, So it's it's kind of like the young adult adult version of kind of that same story. Um, And I think both really tackle, you know, unique family structures and. You know, we we have a lot of them these days, and Mm -hmm. I think it's important to kind of um, embrace, you know, how our families can be different and how they can still be um, loving and nurturing spaces um, for people,
0: for young and old.
1: So I think that's kind of like like
0: pitch. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I was just thinking we don't have a lot of language around that, even though more and more often we have families that don't subscribe to the traditional form of family, right? Mother, father, two two and a half kids or whatever it is. And so when we're faced with a a challenge like telling a child or describing to a child why their family is different from their friends at school or others, I think it's great to have something like a children's book that you could read together and then that broaches the topic and kind of gives you the language kind of describe the situation and and reframe it, really. Absolutely. And And I I think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, I was just gonna say that even with the young adult novel, then you're giving that young adult the language to help them reframe it for themselves.
1: Absolutely. I think another thing that's kind of woven throughout the piece as well, um, is the story's kind of set or nestled in the contra dancing community, which is um, like a folk dance, That has like a a strong, vibrant culture and community, Um, and I think that, as you know, having been a part of that community for about ten years or so, um, was also a great way for me to um, think about like community and family, not Mm -hmm. just in the sense of like the nuclear family structure, but as in like the whole the whole village, right, that raises the kid, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and kind of like your chosen family or. you know, friends and kind of like that circle, which I think are really important to, to building one's character and
0: who they are. Mm-hmm. Sure. And validating that. I think I, also different cultures think of family differently. For, for example, I'm Cuban-American, so my family includes everyone else, like my cousins and my aunts and my uncles and everyone, whether in this country or not. Um, so I think that's very validating to read and see and hear. I would like to go back to the community you just mentioned, because I don't think I'm familiar. You said it was the intra contra Dance? So it's called um, Contra
1: Dancing, and it's English English ballroom dancing meets swing dancing. Um, And it's like a a nice niche community. Um, It's very popular on the East Coast, and um, there's different, like, Contra Dance weekends and, you know, Hmm. just um, some clogging and stuff also kind of Lines of and there are some waltzes um, as well, but it's essentially like you have a partner that you dance through a long line of dancers with all the way up and back. Okay. Um, and like swinging and like balance and swing, um, mm-hmm. do like those are just kind of some of the, the verbiage, um, some of the okay. Um But I think, you know, it's it's kind of this cyclical movement in addition to kind of how it kind of parallels the orbit of the sun and the moon or different celestial bodies those were kind of some things i was weaving throughout um because in the story the the mom is um compared to the moon the dad compared to the sun um and it's like this orbit um this kind of cyclical journey Mm -hmm. that you know i think you know, life can very much feel like that that uh, cyclical journey. And I think, um, yeah, those were just some things that I've kind of infused along the way.
0: Yeah, I'd like to go back to these archetypes of the sun and the moon, because I know you did a lot of research to kind of, if not choose these archetypes, but really bring them to life. I'd like to hear your process on that.
1: Absolutely, so I did a, uh, Did a little bit of research in kind of um, different cultures that ascribe certain um, femininity or masculinity to the sun and the moon. Um, Certain perceptions of the eclipse as well, Um, how it could be like a very scary thing. Um, You know, a lot of questions before certain, you know, before science came out about like, hey, what's actually happening? Why is, you know, the moon red? (laughs) Um yeah. so I think there's there's just some really fascinating uh kind of stories, right? These kind of narratives mm-hmm. that have been passed down from year to year um about like you know why the cycles are the way they are. Um so I just found that the the sun and the moon kind of like naturally fit into like masculine, feminine kind of um mm-hmm. and started to kind of really push through. Um you know observing my own parents who are definitely inspired uh by the, those characters in my book um and kind of seeing certain natural rhythms of relationships um I think those were definitely kind of playing a part in that
0: So you mentioned your parents so this was a story partially inspired at least by the experience you had with your own parents could you speak to that
1: Yeah so my parents are amazing, supportive people, um, mm-hmm. and I actually, for a very long time, had kind of been writing this uh, very privately and not like having shared mm-hmm. much with my parents. Um, and I was actually like, because it, it touches on it touches on like a challenging time that we'd gone through as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my parents, you know, having been divorced, um, my mom having gone through lots of health issues. Uh, mental and physical and you know i didn't know how she was going to respond to the piece mm-hmm. and it had like kind of you know i i was worried about that actually but she <laughs> become one of my biggest supporters and, and biggest fans and same with my dad and it's been like kind of a really great way to heal and like yeah um connect as a family uh this weekend actually we we had a couple different events um i did a mural inspired by my novel mm. and um it's in in philly 1300 block of percy street and they had a big celebration um and i was invited to like bring some of my books and my parents were right there with me um and it That's was nice. just like a beautiful way to you know be able to kind of move forward with mm-hmm. stuff that had happened in the past you know, it's still a piece of fiction, right? Like, right. It's, still def- it's still different <laughs> than what mm-hmm, happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's been, like, a great way to kind of move forward as a family and, and you know, embrace a, a new dynamic.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I don't think a lot of people get that opportunity for fear of what others might say, for fear of broaching a topic that might, you know. I think some fear that we all have is that we're going to make it worse before we make it better, you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it's, it's beautiful yeah. that you had that experience. Thank you. I would, like to, I, mean, I, would, I would love to touch on something I recently read. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. C.S. Lewis wrote a essay on writing for children. Okay. And I just, I just came across it because my daughter um, was reading one of the books for school. And he says that fantasy is not escapism for children. It actually brings the magical into everyday life i'd love to hear your thoughts on that
1: i love that um i think specifically what i can uh what i think of when i hear that is you know so my mom is a reading specialist mm. and um she actually taught me to read because i really struggled with it in first grade oh. and we would sit down at the kitchen table with my spelling words and we would write stories with those words and i would like cut out magazine clippings and like draw like different characters um, and it was a great way to not only learn, but to also um, still find that, you know, unique magic, right. That mm-hmm. like amongst the mundane, such as your spelling words, right. you know? Like, um, <laughs> so I think, I, I mean, that's kind of just what came to me um, when I heard that. But I also think, I mean, creative play, is such a beautiful thing that you can observe with children i think that mm-hmm. um you know and they just i'm just thinking of like when kids set up like a little tea party and like they have this whole story about like this yeah. one character and then they want to loop you in on it and it's like um, yeah like in kind of imaginary characters and stuff like that like i mean the lines are really blurred right like they're they're, they're naturally coming to stories um, and I think that is just such a beautiful spark that, like, I think, you know, with age, like, we sometimes lose. Um, but I think certain certain rituals or certain um, kind of moments of spontaneity can really can try to bring that out again. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, you mentioned losing it when we're older. I hear so many adults say, well, I'm just not creative. And my first thought is, like, well, that's kind of impossible. But... <laughs> How do we keep that creative spark from, or keep believing in our creative spark from when we're children until we're adults?
1: Yeah, I think it kind of is a combination of, um, like, a ritual or some sort of, like, discipline. You kind of continue to bring yourself back to, like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to, like, either work on a painting or, you know, do something, I guess, quote-unquote, creative. Um mm-hmm or just setting aside time and then the other part is um that balance of like you know bringing a little something new to it some sort of spontaneity Mm -hmm. um so it's like it's an odd balance like you have to like show up to being disciplined enough to like keep at Mm -hmm. it and like you know build your skills but then you also want to be open to like You know when an idea comes to you like you know jotting it down or kind of running with it um i think it's a it's a balance of that
0: yeah and then with children when we're working with children how do we inspire that in them because i even see it kind of younger and younger these days of children being like oh i'm i'm not into that oh i don't you know i don't play i don't create i don't do art how do we keep them going in that
1: yeah i think that is that is the tricky part um i think also when you know kids or young adults see um adults who are like you know excited or energized like i think that does more i think than um you know than just telling them hey you know like yeah. you know what i mean like i think that example yeah. um you know they can feel when you're faking it you know what i mean yeah. like okay. especially as like an art teacher like I'm not feeling it every day, but I think they get a lot from it when, you know, whether we do those community projects or the flower mm-hmm. show, like I get super excited and into it. So right. I think that kind of like builds the the reason for why to kind of keep mm-hmm. doing creative. Work. Um, and I think just sharing like your creative stuff with your students or, or with kids or, or young adults, I
0: think is also
1: um, a good way to do that, too.
0: I think that's profoundly important, even though it sounds so simple, but I was like walking through a bookstore the other day and there's a book like how to get your kids to read more. And I was like, you read, you make reading exciting for you. And then other kids want to read because they see it's something like so important to you. So I love that what you're saying is like if you have a creative outlet to share that with your children or to be excited about it, be like, look what I created um but so much of that is missing in our society i don't see enough people just creating to create like i love art for art's sake and you just don't see that enough in our society absolutely going back to your book because that is why we're here (laughs) i would love uh to know how folks can purchase your book um how they could learn more about you absolutely um so If
1: folks are interested in buying a copy, um, I have um, copies kind of everywhere uh, books are sold. Um, I recommend going and ordering from local um, shops, though, like Little Creek Press has an online shop. I think that's a great way um, to support um, smaller indie publishing houses. Mm -hmm. Um, So the novels on Little Creek Press site and everywhere books are sold. My Mm -hmm. children's book is on Amazon. Um, and I do have a, an upcoming children's book uh, coming out called Trash Crab, um, oh, and this okay. kind of is on the the topic of creative problem solving. Um, something that's really important to me is um, trash and recycling. I you know I live in Philly, um, it's a battle every day with with kind of litter um, mm-hmm. on the street. Um, as a block captain. I've been involved with my, my block since probably 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. and um, doing weekly street cleanups, um, you know, being a part of different community events to to bring change. So Trash Crab is a day at the beach that turns into a search and rescue mission when the Taylor sisters, so a, a two little girls, they stumble upon their first Trash Crab. Mm-hmm. So instead of these hermit crabs they use plastic bottles, um, cans, other kind of thrown away items for their home for their shell, and it can actually like trap them in there, and it's just a really terrible thing. So the two main characters, Juniper Rose and Katerina May, they save as many ocean critters as they can on their their journey up the coast, um, and they they really kind of address. That problem of trash and recycling. There's a glossary in the back as well, um, and I collaborated with another creative, um, Akira Serene. We're thinking of you know five years old to nine years old is kind of our um, our target target audience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and yeah, we're really excited about it. It's going to be coming out um, by Little Creek Press uh, probably in a month or two, okay. and that'll be available. Um, Similar platforms, and then I think um, the other thing I wanted to mention too is, mm-hmm. um, so every full moon and new moon, I put out a newsletter, and I think um, you know I really love you know kind of making the time to kind of do different types of reflections. Like for mm-hmm. so for the new moon, it's focused more on like new beginnings and and the beginning of stuff. Um, the full moon is more about, like, celebration. So both newsletters kind of are are have different kind of frames around them. Um, and each month we also kind of go through different chakras um, in kind of the focus. So right now it's focused on the crown chakra. Um, and the main character's mom in, like, The Sun, Ops, The Moon, a novel, she uses... Um, different forms of, she she gets healing through different ways. Um, And one of those was like meditation and that kind of has woven itself into the newsletter I put out. So I think that'd be a great way for folks to um, kind of set aside time for themselves for different reflections. Mm -hmm. And the ultimate goal for the newsletter is to help someone move in the direction of their dream and make time for magic um and reflect and i think you know as adults it's like it's harder to find that time um there's mm-hmm. always just so many things to do such a long laundry list of things to do um and i've also kind of modeled the newsletter after my teaching pedag- my teaching pedagogy um the head heart mm-hmm. and the hands where you know that has informed my art education practice um and it integrates like the cognitive, the head, the affective, the heart, and then the experimental, the hands. Um, so that's, that would be a great way
0: if folks want to stay tuned in. I think, I think that's a beautiful practice. I like how it's two times a month because the new moon and the full moon. So it doesn't feel like something you have to do every day, right? You get this moment of reflection twice a month and how it weaves in your own method of teaching, which is very holistic. I want to say that not only reading your newsletter but your the description of your books it it brings it all together which oftentimes especially in children's writing it's kind of like a lot of children's writing you tell the story and then there's a moral and here's what you're supposed to think so it's very heady right like a plus b equals c here's what you do and here's how it solves with nice ne- neat little bow but yours is more cyclical like the sun and the moon right they're moving through these healing spheres while integrating this form of, of learning, which I, which I just love.
1: Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm really thankful to, you know, have been exposed to that teaching pedagogy when I was going through undergrad. I think it really stuck with me. Um, mm-hmm. I think my art education courses were really, I mean, they were amazing, they were really awesome. Yeah. I went to, to Temple University, Tyler School of Art, and that really kind of set the, the foundation um you know as a creative and then as a as an art educator which i think um you can think of them as these separate boxes but i think
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know in you know knitting them together and kind of it does make you feel more whole or more mm-hmm. satisfied um mm-hmm. you know the the downside of that is like it's you know so much of your identity is personal mm-hmm. professional which blends uh yes. which can be hard to find the boundaries for but i think yeah. with you know coming to it with that um awareness i think can help you out kind yeah. of sussing through yeah. where to put certain boundaries on certain things but i think like overall though you know they do fit together and it's like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know way to have a very fulfilling experience
0: yeah, because it's, it's the human experience, right? I think I, I struggle with that, too, as a creative. Like, what is, what is my personal life? What is the business life? What am I putting out versus what do I keep for myself? But then there's the whole idea of, in the business world, we're taught we're only supposed to be one thing, which is impossible because we're, like, multidimensional beings and multi-creative, you know? So how do we just be one thing while exploring all this creativity we have inside? And mm-hmm. I, I think you do a beautiful job of that because I was reading your bio. I was like, wow, she really puts out like she delivers. You know, like you're not only <laughs> you write books and you do these wonderful projects with children and you're teaching in the schools, but you're also a filmmaker. So it, um, like you deliver. Which so I just want to applaud you for that because I, I struggle with that all the time. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I think um what you were
1: saying there reminded me of this um. I don't want to butcher the quote, but it, I think it was it was a transcendentalist writer, John Murr, maybe, where he was saying that when you when you focus on one thing, you realize it's like hitched to everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Like so I think you know, that was something that kind of sparked up for me, but also, you know, I, I have heard that thing too with like, you know, um things like the book launch podcast was like you really just wanna stick to one thing it's hard for people to kind of understand that you can do multiple things. But then it's like, I mean, I'm, I very much lean into the like Renaissance man or woman uh, modality of things, because I feel like I can, you know, continually stay creative. Like if Mm -hmm. I get stuck on one thing, I'll hop to another creative expression and then end up back like, so, like, I'm still yeah. with those different creative loops um, and get inspiration or a solution from doing mm-hmm. something different. Um, yeah. You know, whether it be, like, editing, you know, audio or video, you know, can have my brain kind of go in a different autopilot, which some mm-hmm. things, some ideas sometimes come from that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think, like, there's a lot to be said with that kind of approach to creativity.
0: Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's, a, it's something I still struggle with. I guess it's societal, it's what we learn, right? Just stick to the one thing, be really good at the one thing. Um, but it could be profoundly frustrating when you're like focused on the one thing and you can't get it done, you know? So it's the, allow yourself that, that ability to just move on. To something else to mm-hmm. let it go you know and come back to it with with the faith that eventually it's going to come if it's meant to like come through you which yeah i can I see is meant to be coming through you
1: <laughs> and to also just give you the you know give yourself the freedom to like be like you know i'm going to try something new you know i'm going mm. mess up on this this might be completely terrible it might not come out as planned yeah. um but to have like well, I'll just get the next one, you know, I'll ride the next wave, I think is like also, you know, just helps you kind of keep in a flow. Um, yeah, That's been something that's um, been helpful to me, at least.
0: Yeah. Do you struggle with, and now I'm getting way off topic, but I think it's important. Do you struggle with um, ego identification with your art? Because that's something I've always struggled with when I was younger, more so than now, but like how we separate ourselves from the art. Yeah. I think that is
1: really hard. Um, especially when you're making stuff that's very deeply personal or that's like, oh yeah, that main character is me. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. specifically when my my novel was, you know, going through the editing process, which is so grueling. Do you have to kill your darlings? And, you know, you get so much feedback that like it is empowering though, because you can like you know, you figure out what you're gonna Hold and fold for it. Like you, mm, you realize like, yeah. okay, like, this is what I'm gonna like change. And I'm gonna take this advice, and then this is what I'm gonna like d- dig my heels in on, and gonna go mm. further into this this concept. With I think when my editor was like, you know, your main character has no identity, and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> That's me though. <laughs> I don't what. I don't have a. I don't have a personality. So then it was like but it was a she was responding to a quality of that character that was like a lack of agency and a and oh, wow. very much a um a passive you know part of their life they were really just you know taking note of their mom's life and stuff like that and it, it it actually did help me work some stuff out and it was it was right you know and i think um you know it is it is hard to to separate but i think you know it's important to you know take space from yeah. from those things as well and you know like i think you mentioned earlier like keep some things for you um and you know i i am a very existential you know creative so i'm you know i think a lot of us creatives are like we're thinking like what is this bigger picture what is this all about um so i think it is very humbling though in that regard like you know when you know you're creating um and you're putting yourself out there like and you kind of have a you know you get into a rhythm of it you're like you you try to detach um i think also there's something to be said with like social media which can be um a blessing and a curse, a time suck, and um, could lead to opportunities. It's like, yeah, I mean, everything's got this kind of duality to it. You know what I mean? And yeah, I think like definitely. the more you kind of go into something like that, the more you realize like, oh, there's def- there's flip sides. You know, there's pros and cons. There's there's a lot of duality.
0: Right. You spoke to something very important that I think about a lot. Um, that there 's a lot of creatives that don 't ever deliver their work they don 't ever put it out in their in the world and you 're speaking to a, an entire different entirely different experience from the moment like there 's a process of creating and then there 's a process you have to go through when other people are receiving your work and either validating your choices or not
1: yeah, and I think that you know it allows you to practice that decision making in you know taking feedback or you know taking a moment to like sit on those words um mm-hmm. which can be kind of uh grueling i mean that's why editing is just always <laughs> it's always <laughs> like it's a lot you know but i think there are a lot of like kind of real world life skills that come from that mm-hmm. being able to like take feedback give feedback um So I think it really just it does kind
0: of build you up over time and kind of like it helps you develop. What would you say to the person that never puts art into the world? Because I want my audience to hear the importance of putting your art out there. Yeah, I think
1: to be gentle and kind to yourself, but to also, you know, assess your assess what matters, I guess. Right. And like. I think start small and then kind of go out to different circles, like, you know, get in the routine of like sharing with like a significant other or like a family member and then kind of like continue to, to kind of widen your, your net. But yeah, I think there's just so much to be gained too from, from sharing your experience. And I think like, you know, for example, like, you know, I wasn't sure if my novel would ever get published because I wasn't sure how my mom would handle it, and I didn't want it to become this whole, like, it would pull us apart kind mm-hmm. of thing. So I think when I actually, like, sat down, she read my book, she was like, yeah, certain chapters are really hard for me, but, like, you know, I love you, and I'm, ex- you know, I want you to go forward mm-hmm. with this. I think, like, if I wouldn't have talked to her about it, you know, if I wouldn't have put myself out there, um, you know, it it might not have developed into this
0: mm-hmm.
1: amazing thing that kind of has knitted our family um, back together. And that, you know, I would I wouldn't have had certain experiences. So I think. And, I, and actually revising that statement a little bit with mm-hmm. starting with smaller closer contacts. I mean, sometimes those are the hardest ones to share creative work with. So, I mean, I guess just like, you know, sharing a little bit at a time, um, Mm -hmm. depending on where you're comfortable, right? Like low stakes versus high stakes in
0: regards to like, sometimes your friends aren't going to like your work and that's so much harder, you know, (laughs) to (laughs) be like, why don't they like it? Why don't they get it? I thought they loved me and I'm putting out, putting my heart out there and now they don't like it at all you know. Absolutely. Or they might not be your supporters, maybe, you know, strangers are your audience, you know. So, yeah, I like how you said to start small, because in my Aries brain, it's like, oh, I just put it all out there and people like it or not. But yeah, the little I could learn from this, little by little, Kind of allows you to open up slightly and get that initial feedback that you need. Um, So maybe go back and rethink some things, or maybe to step forward, like you're saying, and make the decision. Like, no, this is what I stand for, and this is how I'm going to move forward. So I, I, think that's brilliant. Oh, thank you. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I would love it if you could share your website, any socials you might have, where people can best find you. Absolutely. I mean, it's been a pleasure to jump on here and talk about um,
1: creative work. I think it's so important to us as humans and um, just getting the richness and fullness of life. Um, but yeah, if folks want to continue to, to kind of hear about me um, or follow my creative journey, I am on um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube mm-hmm. as J. Eliza Wall which is just like a shrunken version of my name, Joy Elizabeth Moldinger, but J. Eliza Wall is just shorter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a little version of my name. (laughs) I love it. And we're going to put all the links in the description of this episode so folks can find you anytime. And I hope they will reach out to you and get the book for the holidays or... Just as that initial conversation starter for a conversation with a young child or young adult. So, I want to thank you again. Um, thank you for sharing your wisdom with me and with our audience. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And I will mention my audiobook is coming out oh. um, around Black Friday, um, in time for the holidays. I've been working with that on Everloft uh, with Everloft Studios and Asher Brooks Productions. Um, so it's going to have a bit of uh, music, a score that kind of goes um, mm-hmm. its parts, especially kind of pushing that magic element. Um, so I'm really excited. It's It's been percolating. We're excited mm-hmm. um,
0: for it to come out in time for the holidays. That's so fun. I, I love to hear it. I love, I love audiobooks, not when I'm driving because it gives me a headache, but I love <laughs> audiobooks, especially listening with children. It just allows you to close your eyes and go into that magical world. Absolutely. So I'm excited, too awesome thank you so much for having me thanks again joy i hope to talk to you soon you too and that my friends was another episode of the wild wonder podcast if you enjoyed what you heard here please consider becoming a patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash wild wonder thanks for listening and i'll see you again real soon